Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who I have to remind, in the immortal words of Todd Rundgren, don't take yourself too seriously. There are precious few things worth hating nowadays, and none of them are me. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. So for this episode, we have a special guest. He is a prolific songwriter, producer, and a musician on his own terms as well. His most recent record is called 467 Surf and Gun Club, named after, do, do we call it the Infinity Cat Records headquarters? What do you guys call it? Well, we, we call it the Cat House uh, usually, but uh, yeah, sure. It's the Infinity Cat Records headquarters. There we go. So please welcome to the podcast, Robert Ellis Oral. Hey, guys. Hello. All right. So um, premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all-important question, Wayne, what T-shirt are you wearing? Um, so I, they had a deal at the David Bowie store, and so I ended oh, up no. getting some more. This one is, uh, it was pretty cool. It's just him in the phone booth for the Ziggy Stardust <laughs> and the Spiders from Mars. Very good. Very good. I couldn't help him. How, like, how many Bowie shirts is that now? Nine. <laughs> you have a, you have a problem. You have a problem. I, I gotta stop. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Robert, how about you? What t-shirt are you wearing? Well... I didn't wear a band. I'm, I, I couldn't decide. I, That's you know, cool. Certainly was not. Anyway, but I, 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 I'm wearing this Easy Eye Sound, okay. which is um, Dan Auerbach's uh, studio in Nashville. Yeah. And Easy Eye Records is his label. And um, my sons did a record there with Dan. Uh, my son's band is called Jeff the Brotherhood. Yeah. They did a, a record with Dan at Easy Eye, and it was just the coolest place. It was like... Exactly a mile as the crow flies from Infinity Cat headquarters. And, um, yeah, so uh, I, th- this is a new T-shirt by Perry Shell, who does all the artwork. He's the art director for Easy Eye Sound. And he did the art for the, uh, the new record. Very so cool. um, he started at Infinity Cat. He started with Jeff the Brotherhood and then Diary of Planet. And then, you know, he, d- he did so many covers for us. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, was that one of um, one of your kids' major studio? Was that was that on Warner Brothers? That particular album? so uh, that record was on Warner Brothers. Um, I mean, it was on Infinity Cat slash Warner Brothers. That, yeah. We tried an experiment with Warner Brothers. Um, we um, we were so n- nervous about. I mean, Jake and Jamin were offered. They were wooed for a good year plus by uh, one guy on the East Coast, one guy on the West Coast. Great guys. You know, dinners, canoe trips. They just they just would say, sure, you want to hang out with us? and But we have no interest in being on a major label. And, yeah. and after a good year of really listening to them, and they worked out an arrangement with uh, them and Infinity Cat, um, it, was, it was really unique. I mean, the first record to come out on Warner Brothers was um, was We Are the Champions, but okay. the Warner Brothers' name was nowhere on the record. 
Um, not even the only thing was the little number at the bottom of the spine. Okay. Uh, it's, it, it's, and, and the first two versions of it were said ICR, whatever it was, uh, 64 yeah. or whatever. And uh, they were tour versions. And Warner says, you can't, no, you can't start making records. And it's this, we're exclusive. And we were like, well, then we're, we're not doing it. They just they knew the power of no as a, as a negotiating point. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and then there was a Hypnotic Nights, um, which is the one that Dan did with them. Um, Jake joked that um, Warner Brothers wanted a big name, like in big name, so they should call the record. They threatened to call the record "Produced by Dan Auerbach." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they got along with Dan so well. They loved him, and they co-produced and. Um, they just loved hanging with that guy. And there's some great YouTube video of them doing interviews together where yeah. uh, Jake and Jamin, just every interview they did, they 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 would say to the interview, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's our batch. I mean, they would just pretend they didn't even know his name. <laughs> oh, I, well, I, this isn't a visual medium, but there's my boys right there. Yeah, there you go. Mm. There you go. Yeah. All right. So so let me tell you my my T-shirt, and then and then we'll we'll talk about Jeff the Brotherhood because I I do have to I do have a couple questions on that. So I'm wearing my Mammoth WVH T-shirt. So um, last Friday I was able to see Wolfgang Van Halen and his project Mammoth uh, live in concert oh, here cool. in Orlando. How I'm, was that? Fantastic, dude. Dude's great. Um, so they played every song off of, off of the album, um, and he even said, um, "I wish I had more songs to play," um, <laughs> because I, I mean we we Orlando rocked it. Like um, uh, he, he even tweeted out a bunch of retweeted out a bunch of us uh, who were just gushing all over about how great great the uh, great the the concert was. So um, definitely an endorsement from me to go see mammoth if he's ever in your uh, neck of the woods i will tell you wayne though you can tell that they've been hanging out with axel and the boys so they're they're, they're they've been opening for a lot of guns and roses uh dates they were 50 minutes late coming to the stage uh. so yeah, that's that's a that's, oh, that's a page out like, of Axel. It's like the old days when I was yeah. when I went to a show in the old days. Like I saw Todd Rundgren last Friday, okay. uh, a week a week ago yesterday, and the show started at at at, at seven. Oh, doors at six, show at seven. So it's seven, and everyone's milling around and getting drinks, and and no one expects the lights to go off at seven, right. but they did. But I remember the days of being at Boston Garden, and you know, we're, my 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 girlfriend and I are going to see uh, 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 Emerson Lake and Palma open for Yes, okay. and you're chanting. For an hour and a half, like what are they doing back there? We, I, I could never understand it because I'd never been backstage. But I'm like, what are they doing that it takes an extra hour and a half? We have to stand out here and just yeah. wait. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's the old days. It is. It's the old days. Um, so I mention <laughs> on the podcast all the time about my adult ADD, and um, I think Wayne and I both get sucked down rabbit holes. Um, I listened to your interview that you did, Robert, with uh, our friends over at Rock in the Suburbs. Um, <laughs> they had to split it. I know. I go down, and, the, and I they, go down and, the hole. And, and they had to split it up into two parts. Cause, yeah. um, but we're, we, we love those dudes. We've, uh, we've uh, guest hosted 
for them uh, when they were on vacation as well. After you did, after listening to your interview, um, you had mentioned Diarrhea Planet being on Infinity Cat. So I spent an hour on my drive um, earlier this week listening to them. And then today, I went back and I re-listened to some of the tunes from your kids. We already talked about Jeff the Brotherhood. Um, I mean, it sounded like from the other podcasts that you didn't really force Jake and, and Jamin to pick up musical instruments. Like that was all they're doing, correct? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I mentioned it, but, uh, uh, but I still, to this day, I've never written a song with either of them. Really? Um, that's, that, that's their, that was their thing. And I loved listening to them make stuff up when they were 13 and 11. Yeah. I think they were called Mizzard Lambs, M-I-Z-E-R-D-L-A-M-S. And, uh, you know, I just, it was, it was just, like, I just always wanted to like see what they were going to do. Yeah. So, no. Yeah. And you, you brought up on that podcast that their first, their first name was, what was it? The Sex? Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and the Sex old- was the first three albums. First three uh, they albums. were average. There were three of them in the band. The average age was 12. Right. And um, <laughs> my wife and I thought this could, you know, be an issue with the other parents at the school that they went to uh, a Montessori school. And um, I said, well, it's too late because they've already ordered pins and, you know, <laughs> and, right. and, and and plus Jake, you know, assured me that it was like the sex of a flower or the sex of a, of a, of a cat or a dog. You know, it's, it had nothing to do with sex, dad, but we, you know, that well, he was tricking us. Yeah. That's that, that's the, that's the adolescent answer deep down inside, yes. you know, they're, they're, nudging each other and going i just pulled one over on dad <laughs> yeah i know i know and by the way the closest i've ever come to writing a song with them is the third sex album i came up with the title and i said the title and they were like ah dad and i'm like what and they're like that's good <laughs> so they had to use it uh it was called wake up and smell the parents okay that's that, that is good that is good how many times have you seen them live because I, I think you had mentioned that you that you've gone to a lot of their shows. Yeah, I can't count because when I went to every show they did, okay. um, and and it was it was weird because uh, one of my best buddies, Bill Barkley, his son Cy was always you know in another in another band or because all their friends had bands, so they would yeah. put together three bands, basically about seven or eight kids, and um, and 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 they'd all tell their parents don't come. Don't I, I don't want to see you there. And so he would like sometimes sit out in the, in the in the in the truck outside and wait for the show to be over. But my kids always were like, "Dad, you're coming, right?" And I'd be, "Yeah, coming. Of course I am." Um, and then I, I flew places to see them because it, because of this particular show that they were doing. Right. Like I want to see you do this show with Weezer in North Carolina. Yeah. So we're getting on a plane. I'm going to have dinner. We're going to go to the show. Um, you know. Um, uh, with um, flaming lips, we're going down to you know th- this place or that. So yeah, we we uh, we're big fans. We have uh, tickets booked right now for um, what might be their last show in Nashville because I mean they they are like slowing down that whole thing. They have their thirteenth album is in the can, okay. um, and they're doing festivals. They did that Milwaukee Summerfest recently, but uh, they have a show on. Uh, two nights before Thanksgiving or maybe the 24th 
of November um, because the exit in is doing this 50 on 50 yeah. because it's 50 years of the exit in. And, uh, and as soon as I heard that, we changed our plans and we'll be there for that. Great venue. I saw the Fratellis there sure a couple is. of years ago. Um, yeah. and, that one, and that one's going under? I, I can't figure it out. They're putting out this huge, thick coffee table book of the 50 years. Okay. And uh, they, I know, I'm real, I mean, they, they're doing an Infinity Cat record section in that book because okay. all of our artists played there and, and, yeah. and a lot of them like got signed. You know, we like Diary Planet, the first time I saw them play, uh, I hated the name, but I saw them play and I just said, all right, all right. I mean, they wouldn't change their name, uh, but. Uh, I, that that word I hated that word oh, with a I passion, <laughs> and and then the next thing you know I've got I've got I have over twenty five different Diary Planet T shirts, so I don't know what happened. <laughs> do, do do people do people stop you and go what's what's an old dude wearing a Diary Planet shirt? You know, I, I it, the reaction I get to that it's usually I didn't mean to wear it. I just had it on when I went right. down to the Home Depot, right? And then some woman will go. Well, that's cute. What does that mean? Or someone will say, "Oh, dude, love that band." And I just go, "Yeah, great." And, I, and sometimes I was waiting in line in like a Panera for food, and there were all these uh, families in there and stuff. And I realized I had a it was a glittery gold diarrhea planet with a big diamond in the middle. And all of a sudden, I just realized I had it on. I just turned around, walked up, went to the car, drove home. <laughs> uh, who who's the one Infinity Cat? recording artist that you thought was going to be huge that ended up not being huge well this the, the funny thing is um for the niche that we were in which was college radio we yep. we we've had we had a number of different number one albums and singles and you know between jeff the brotherhood daddy issues and uh and diary planet um i i, I thought that all those three acts would be like there was there, we never had that one thing like a lot of independent labels have one song that just catches on with everybody or gets in some movie or gets in some tv show right. and, and and that didn't happen but all those bands are i mean from our metric uh all those bands are super super successful for what we were looking to do with that record label yeah um, and there were a lot of other bands that I love that just, um, you know, they last, they, they broke up too quick and, and, uh, I would beg them to stay together. You guys, you can't break up now. You haven't even, you know, done two records yet, but, um, that was just, you know, we started that label for fun and we had fun and I, uh, you know, we're, we're at the end of it next year. We're going to celebrate our 20th anniversary and, um, and we'll do something special for that. Um, but in terms of releasing, like signing a new act and putting it out, we're done with that. So we're at a hundred and, uh, uh, number 125 with the, with the last seven inch from Jeff, the brotherhood. Okay. But Jeff, the brotherhood's going to continue on. Yes. Because Jake, uh, uh he has a little side label thing called earthbound okay. sound. So it, they'll just continue on. In other words, okay. Jeff, the brotherhood seven inch, that was the 125th infinity cat release was also the second Earthbound Sound release. Now, you, now you put out 467 Surfing Gun Club on Infinity Cat as well, correct? Well, it's actually on Fixation Records. I started okay. a new record as an okay. imprint, and then um, because it's you know when you when I our distributor is Red Eye, and um, 
So it goes through the Infinity Cat system, but yeah. it's on fixation. Okay. And what record number is that for you? Um, well, uh, how many records have I made? I made three for RCA from 80 to 84. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I made two in the 90s after I moved. Those were the 80s. 90s, I made two that I never even like I made them for me for therapy for for uh, okay. for, for fun I had unlimited budgets because I was signed to either EMI or BMG one of the major publishers and yeah. I just would run up the demo budget and and <laughs> and and do an album and bring in percussionists and would you really need that on a demo oh well actually no one's ever going to cut this song listen to it um and then uh, I made three albums in the 2000s under a, a pseudonym of monkey bowl um, because I don't know why I, I just, <laughs> I just wanted to ha I, it was very kind of young pop music. Yeah. Uh, it, it sounded younger than the guy that was making it. So I figured I should use a pseudonym. Those records have never been up on streamers until COVID made me go, what if I die from this thing? This was a year ago, March when it, when yeah. it started getting real serious and I have, uh, underlying conditions. And I was like, if I die from this thing, don't, no one's ever going to know those records were mine. So I set about uh, getting them all up, and they're everywhere now. Uh, and then I also set about set about finishing the record I had started six years earlier, 467 Surfing Gun Club, um, and worked on every once in a while. But just, I mean, I didn't, and I never thought I'd finish it, but COVID definitely made me do it. It's amazing how much music has come out because people were just. They needed something to do. They needed that distraction. So let's go finish <laughs> yeah, an album. That's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I was looking. I was looking at some of your your um, your co-writes. Um, I didn't realize that Clay Walker's "What's It to You" is your is your song. That was a number one yes. country song back in the day. That was his. That was his rocket to stardom. Um, yeah, I, I have a long story about this. Yeah, but please. If, if okay, so so I wrote that with a guy that I had just had another number one. My first number one was Shenandoah, next to you, next to me, and my my buddy. You know, uh, we were writing together, and we were trying to come up with an idea, and uh, and uh, and he's a wise guy, and he was down making coffee, and I was got you got nothing, you got nothing, and he said, "What's it to you?" I you know, I, I what do you got? And I was like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, back up. What's it to you?" And he was like, what? I said, that's it. I know what love is. What's it to you? It, you know, condensing it. But um, then I went to this, um, before the single came out, and we didn't want him to record it because we didn't know who he was. We thought it was a, <laughs> we thought it was a hit song. So when James Stroud, the producer, said, I want to cut this on Clay Walker, we said no. And we, we said absolutely adamantly no. And he went and cut it anyway. And guess who else said no? Clay Walker. He hated it. Really? So, uh, yeah, so he wouldn't, he wasn't even planning to play it at the showcase that they were doing around for record, for, for radio. You know, they were doing showcases all around the country until uh, the producer, James Stroud, went down to see his rehearsal and said, Where's What's It To You? And he said, I'm not doing that song. And he said, Well, you got to do that song. It's going to, you know, be a single. I don't want it to be single. Anyway, he said, I'll Tell you what, learn it. And then if, if, if they bring you back for an encore, you play that song. So every night he closed with that song because he'd be like, we're going to bring him out for one more, right? And uh, and that was the first single, and it went to number one. It kicked him off just grandly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's good for all of us. 
is is that your most popular or most played song that you've written? Country song? No, next to you, next to me is by far and away. I okay. mean, it's 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 denoted. They they ASCAP and BMI um, have a like a, a way to a certain yeah, place where they it. can call it a standard. Yeah, and it's it's considered a country standard. It's been cut like. Six times, seven times, a lot, most recently by, it was like a bonus track on a Rascal Flats record. Okay. I think, um, I think what's his name, the lead singer there, uh, Gary Lavox, the voice, um, literally, um, you know, he, he knew that it took a lot of vocal acrobatics, so it's a good showpiece. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, you, had al- you had already mentioned on um, the, the Rock in the Suburbs about... Uh, your work with Taylor Swift. I'm sure you get way too many questions about Tay Tay. Well, Wayne, Wayne and I are unabashed fans of, of, yeah, me of too. Taylor. Um, I guess we would call ourselves Swifties, Wayne. Right. Um, I don't know. I Just mean, we've done, we've done an episode on private, 1989. Um, I think it's only a matter of time before one of our guests you know, pick either folklore or evermore for one of their episodes. So, sure. You, you are you still a follower? Still follow her? Career? Oh, I, I'm. A, I, I consider myself a Swifty. Okay. I don't. We don't. I mean, we're not traveling in the same circles anymore. Right. But um. But I mean, good for her. I. I. Uh, I she was a great kid to uh to, to write with because. She was really smart about songs, and I mean, most. I mean, she was so young and yet so savvy about what she wanted to do, and she knew what a bridge was, and it a middle eight or whatever you want to call it. Uh, she wanted a bridge in every song. I mean, she, and and she would always come up with clever, you know, real about faces for that those kind of things. But she would get dropped off at my house after school, and. Um, uh, her mom uh, and uh, would sometimes come pick her up and just wait for us to finish doing a vocal down in the basement where Infinity Cat was. Yeah, um, you know it was a studio, it was everything down there in the basement, and um, and uh, we wrote a bunch. And when she was when we first started writing, she was on RCA Records, and um, they they let her walk because they weren't ready to sign her. They didn't think she was ready, and she was. Uh, there was an A&R person. Um, oh, my gosh. I hope I remember her name before. I forget this. Before. Anyway, she's at BMI now, and she was a champion of her, but she was down in a lo- lower A&R position. Yeah. And Leslie Roberts, her name was Leslie Roberts, okay. and she's a big wig at BMI now, but that woman, she was right, and they let her go. Anyway... After they let her go, um, we set about making these packages. I should have. I got one upstairs. I have the. I have the last one upstairs. These big plastic attaches full of stuff that you know things she'd been in and yeah. Abercrombie and Fitch catalog, the whole catalog, um, you know all that stuff. And we delivered them around to every A and R guy in town. And uh, and um, I think we did like twenty of those packages around and to get everyone to come to the Bluebird cafe where i had put together an in the round of veterans and then every fourth song was going to be this 14 year old girl and she got the deal that night i mean there were there were she had multiple she could have gone to capital she but scott buschetta um he was starting a label and he just was like you're gonna be my first act 
and that was it. And that relationship worked for a few years. A lot of years, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not, <laughs> yeah. Not, not, not. I right think. Now, I, but... I, by the way, I think you know. I had a, we this Infinity Cat. Sometimes it's called a punk label. It, it started out that way. It yeah. Became a post-punk label, then it became a rock and roll label. But uh, I, one of the most punk things I've ever seen anyone do is re-record all their records <laughs> once someone spent the money to buy yep. the originals. I just think that that is so cool. What can I say? And and again, uh, that's why we love her. I mean, it's just it's taking control of your own career and doing whatever whatever you feel right. is best for it. So it's great, great stuff. All right, so um. Couple couple questions before we jump into the record that you chose. So, um, four sixty seven Surf and Gun Club. You'd already mentioned that's uh, that's the Infinity Cat uh, house, whatever. Yes. What, um, is this a concept album? I think I think other people have been it asking is. you that, right? It it it, it is. Um, and I like albums. I like an album where you listen at the beginning. Now, this isn't a yeah. linear story. But it is all these all these songs are about this place and the people in this place, and this place exists mainly in my mind. But it's all it it all came out of the the every day going to Infinity Cat where we had we had a huge deck out back and this big it was a real it was a house and but it was in yeah. an industrial neighborhood and. Um, and we had a shooting range for our BB guns and the BB guns up on the wall. And we, everyone just kind of hung out. B bands would come and go. Uh, um, when a band wasn't on the road, sometimes a member or two would, would put up, uh, they'd, they'd work and put their hours up on the board and get, you know, make extra money by packing orders and that kind of thing. And we had, obviously, we had tons of shows that we did. And yeah. it was just... Um, and and Jake and Jamin, when I started the first song for it, Jake and Jamin were in Hawaii doing surfing competitions. I mean, not surfing. They were uh, playing um, at surfing competitions on okay. a, a, a tour sponsored by Volcom, which uh, they then filmed the whole thing. And, um, and it just reminded me of my cousins, uh, uh, Malcolm, Christine, and Frankie, who... Um, they grew up in Hawaii, that part of my family. And I remember seeing those, those, those grainy, you know, uh, movies of them surfing. And I just was like blown away by surfing. Uh, and Frankie, by the way, Frank Oral, he is Poi Dog Pondering. He's the lead oh, singer of Poi Dog okay. Pondering. He is, he is the, you know, it, that's, yeah. that's Frank and whoever he's put together for this particular tour. They're on tour now. Yeah. And he's also in, um, that other, uh, like a, yeah, he's in another band too that everybody knows. Thievery Corporation. There we go. Okay. Yeah. He's in that well. band too. Okay. Yeah. I know I have a Poi Dog Pondering and I can't remember which album I've got. My favorite is Pomegranate. That's, I, can, I think that's the one I've got. I just love that record. Yeah. That's the record they made with CBS, with Columbia's money. And then Columbia said, we're going to let you go. And they were like, okay. And they already had that record. And they just had never turned it in. Yeah. So I love that. <laughs> good, good stuff. All right, um, Wayne, did you get a chance to listen to uh, Robert's uh, Robert's record? I absolutely did. Um, I, I, my favorite song was Iceberg, but I like that whole that that stretch of songs towards the end from uh, Iceberg through uh, Miserable, Life Behind Bars, and Welcome to Paradise. I love Welcome by Welcome to Paradise too. You 
never seen before. He'll take you on a magical mystery tour, a place you never dreamed that you would be. And your heart may pound, or just be still. If you're brave enough to let it do what it will, you just might learn a thing or two or three, like me. Do or don't, it's up to you. But I believe every word is true. 'Cause I've seen the magic in his eyes when he said. And Life Behind Bars and Welcome to Paradise are the last two things I wrote for it during COVID to like get it finished. And the Life Behind Bars, I, I pitched that idea to country artists that I wrote with for about two years. And I was like, you know, Life Behind Bars, like you're a bartender, you spend your whole life behind bars, meeting people, hearing their stories, just like us, like songwriters. <laughs> That's what we do. So we're like bartenders and no one would buy it. So I said, okay, I'll write it. So I did. Yeah. Yeah, I think the first I think the first thing that I heard off of this here here in our backyard that was a, you guys had released that as a single prior to the album yes. coming out, correct? Yeah. And Yeah, and that describes the, the atmosphere perfectly of what that place was all about. Yeah, so I had known you as a country person. So when I heard that mm -hmm. I'm like this isn't country. Like why mm -hmm. why am I getting pitched this because I thought you were Americana country person because that's look. We'll be honest. We've kind of found our little niche. We're not right. Wayne's not Americana. He will tell you that. <laughs> I'm the Americana guy of this duo. I love Americana music. Wayne Wayne has been giving me rations of crap work because he's like, we need more rock. We need more punk on this. Um, just on the selections. Yeah, I like the people. Yeah, exactly. By the way, by the way, can I just I got to interrupt you and say one of the things I love about your podcast is the fact that you guys disagree on so much. <laughs> it just cracks me up. It does. So even just song to song on a record, like oh uh, uh, yeah, this is number ten. Oh, this is number one. Oh, okay. right, right. Well, <laughs> and there's going to be a lot of disagreements on this record as well. So get ready for it. Um, but yeah. I, so then when I finally did get to listen to the, the, the whole record and then you said, I want to do a Todd Rundgren uh, record and I'm like, okay, now this makes sense. So, <laughs> so, so, so tell, tell me, tell me about your, your love for Todd Rundgren. Cause um, you know, I guess I already spoiled what record we're going to talk about or what <laughs> artists we're going to talk about, but where did your where did you discover Todd and and you've already mentioned you you just saw him live last week so the I, I'm assuming the obsession has continued. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I knew by the time I was like uh, in probably eighth or ninth grade, I knew I wanted to be a songwriter, and um, so I liked I, I kind of gravitated towards song or singer songwriter records. Yeah. Although you know my I grew up in the Beatles. Like like if you weren't if you're my age and you didn't grow up in the Beatles, what were you doing? I don't know what you're doing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Met Rolling Stones. Okay, I get that. Uh, between the Beatles and the Stones, um, I was always Dave Clark Five. But okay. uh, the, whoever was last on Ed Sullivan was definitely my my favorite band of the moment. Yeah. But but the but. Um, 
But I wanted cat like Cat Stevens' "Teeth of the Tillerman." That made me buy, you know, get an acoustic guitar and start trying to learn those songs, which were so easy to learn. I mean, they're most of them are three chords, you know, and um, still wearing that record out. But um, my brother John, my older brother had uh, had Naz and Naz Naz, and um, so I'd hear those coming from him. I mean, he was he was into the Who, he was into English, a lot of English bands, and Naz were ostensibly should have been a British band because they sound like that. Um, I had no idea who Todd Rungham was. Um, but I I walked in, I was flipping through the, you know, the news section in uh, 71 uh, at Jordan Marsh, as we call it here. And um, and uh, I saw this record of this guy, you know, whole, he's sitting at the piano with a noose around a his noose. neck. Yeah. And, and I was like, I picked, I was like, I, I'll try this. I didn't, there was no like, you know, you couldn't sample it at Jordan Marsh at least. Um, and I put on that, I put the first song on and I was just like, I don't know, it, it, this song transformed me into going, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to, and this is how production works. Oh, like, sure, I've been listening to, uh, you know, the Beatles growing up, but I never thought about production, really. I mean, I'm still a kid. You, the, the thing is, when you're, when you're young and you're, you're just discovering music, you have no idea how important a record will be to your life. And, and now, uh, you know, looking back, actually, just even the past week, listening to this record, I've listened to it maybe three, four, five times, sometimes out on walks, you know, with, with the, the phones in and, Yep. I'm like, no wonder this song meant so much to me. I, I was so angry then about this. And it was like a therapy session listening back to this record again. Not that it's not a, it's kind of a constant because, um, uh, but but it's also, it's a constant background music record. If we have people over and I got to pull a record, it's something that you can put on quietly and uh, when you when you know that no one wants to know, no one really wants to hear what you're playing. They just want something on in the background, right. you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, when when you mentioned I want to do Runt, and I didn't I didn't look at the rest of it because there's the the first <laughs> album is Runt. Yeah. And then this one is Runt, the Ballad of Todd Rundgren. So I right. get I get associate producer my son Jackson. He puts together the lyrics and the scoring spreadsheet. So I said, get me Runt, not knowing that there were two of these albums. So, um, yeah. So so he put together the lyrics and everything. So we're, we're ready to go for the first, first Todd Rundgren album as well. I've got the lyrics and the scoring spreadsheet <laughs> all ready for that one. Um, I did have to come back to him the next day and go, um... So I screwed up, and it's actually Runt, the ballad of Todd Rundgren. Yeah, this is so. You, this you is, know when he went when he came out of Naz. I mean, it, he he didn't he had no intention of being an artist, but he yeah. had free studio time, and he had all this. And 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 uh, Albert Grossman was saying, you know, whatever you can you do, whatever you want. And so again, he didn't think he was a good singer. That's why he gave the lead vocals to Stuky on on the Naz records. He's a much better singer than than he is, and. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's a, Todd was a much better singer than the guy he was giving his songs to. But um, so he made up another band name, which was Runt. And then when the and then we got to get you a woman on it, which most people know that song now. Yeah. Um, and then when this record came, he 
made this transition to Todd Rundgren. So this was Runt, the ballad of Todd Rundgren, which is a strange name for a record. And yeah. uh, and then yeah. this was followed by Something Anything, which any everybody knows that one. Which everyone knows that one, yeah. 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 So this is second second album released in 1971. Some of the some of the the bio info that I read was uh, Tony Sales, who plays bass on this one. That he also played bass on the previous record. Um, yeah. Also, his brother Hunt Sales um, played yeah. drums on the first album. He only plays what on one two tracks. One song. Yeah. yeah. He plays on the last one, Parole. And you well, all next to last one. And you all may know Tony and Hunt from their work with Iggy Pop, and also they're part of Tin Machine, Wayne, to circle mm-hmm. back to your David Bowie uh, t-shirt. There you go. And they had a famous father. You haven't mentioned that. I didn't. No one's going to know who that is anyway. No, so. I, well, <laughs> us people who watched Hollywood <laughs> Squares and all that stuff back in the day. Soup, <laughs> soup, soupy sales. I guess it, it, Soupy was more on um, like Password, right? Password. Yeah, 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 yeah. He had a he had a wit, a wry wit. Yes, not my type of humor actually, but uh, but I, <laughs> whatever. And you had already brought up that that Todd really got his start for as being an engineer. Um, he worked mm-hmm. on which one of the band records did he work on? Uh, the um, actually. Hold on. I'm reading a book right now that's just blowing my mind okay. about his just his production. It's every it's the story of every record he did. And I think it's that book. <laughs> uh it's it's four, 300 and something pages. Yeah. Um so he did Stage Fright. Okay. He he was the engineer on Stage Fright. Um that was his first engineering job. <laughs> that's And uh, he went from there. Um, but mostly as a producer. I mean, after that, he was producing. Oh, that was the one he was the the engineer. Every other record he did after that, Psychedelic Furs, XTC, The Tubes, um, you know, wh- whoever. They, they, he was the producer on the rest of them. Yeah. So just on that one, he was engineer. New York Dolls. Yeah, that- New York Dolls. He's New York Dolls. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So he's had quite the interesting career. Um I think most people are going to know him from the the eighty song, um, what "Bang on Me Drums All Day." Ugh, which the one song, even horrible. when he's going to play all the songs you want him to play, he is not going to play that one. And I'm good with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm good with that. I did throw out on the social. So, 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 Robert. Some episodes are more for um, the guest schooling us on the artist. Because I'm, mm-hmm. I will I will freely admit, I'm not, I'm not prolific in Todd Rundgren. Um, mm-hmm. It's always been he's always been a musician that everybody is has told me. Oh well, you like Warren Zevon and you like all of these other artists. You should like Todd Rundgren as well. And I've tried. I have bought a couple Todd Rundgren albums. In oh, the he, past. he made some. He made some. He, he made a. He made a lot of records that just intentionally threw a, a wrench into the works. Just, yeah. just when things were about to break, and he just and he did it on a pretty regular basis. I mean, uh, there were records that I got and went, ah, uh, this isn't what I'm looking for. 
you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, but then uh, we'll see what the next one does. But, um, was he yeah, kind of like, was he kind of like Paul Westerberg and like self-sabotaging himself? Like, I don't want to be super famous or why do you think he did that? D- does that? I, 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 I understand that whole concept of self-sabotage and, uh, and, and I, I can relate to that in, in some, some degree, like okay. just feeling like without getting too, uh, psychological, I would, I would think that, um, I, I don't know what he would agree with or disagree with, but I would think that that's, um, that he, he did sabotage himself yeah. time and time again when, when he, and then, you know, the rock and roll hall of fame, uh, I mean, I thought he should have been in that 10, 15 years ago. I, uh, but as soon as the chorus started growing larger, he joined the chorus, and and I thought, well, there's no way he's going in now with the things he's saying about that that place. And and, and sure well, enough. he is. Whether he'll show up or not, I don't I don't know. <laughs> yep. All right. Um, guys, ready to dive into? This? I do think he. Here's my thought: he should show okay. up, and he should do one song, and it should he should bring out all the people that would that would come out for him. And I think that there is. 50 rock and roll stars that were well, yeah, Todd Rundgren, are you kidding me? He's like a guitar monster. He's a genius. And I think he's, he's, he's got to do the song, The Death of Rock and Roll, Drop Mike, and that should be what he okay. does. All right. <laughs> Just as long as he doesn't play Bang On Me Drum all day. Um, he will, he will not do that. There. And boy, I'll tell you what, you know, that is, that. see, I, that's a reason to hate the guy if you don't know his music. <laughs> right, right. So I get it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, guys ready to dive into this? Yeah. Yes. All right. So as a reminder, our scoring is based off a number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this one? Twelve. Which means top song is going to get 12 points. Next favorite, 11. On down to the lowest score of one point. Let's kick this off with Long Flowing Robe. guys have higher scores for this one than i do who wants to start wayne uh yeah to me i'm surprised that this isn't a song like i would have heard on on uh rock radio when i you know when i was a kid it has it has everything to be a hit um like say even just like he's got this great pop story in there guys talk you know he's bored on a friday night i you know he even makes that line about you know Cruising makes some people uptight, like he doesn't like to go out, but he's, you know, he doesn't going to sit here. So he goes out and lo and behold, the girl of his dreams walks in, robes flowing. She's coming right at him, then she's gone. And then in classic 70s style, she comes back at the end and saves the day. One of the things I noticed on this uh, is this, this song and a couple of the other songs are really what AM rock radio sounded like three or four years from now, like he in a, in a lot of ways was ahead of, of what was going to start getting played on the radio. 
But also this song made me realize one one of my criticisms, because I, what I read is he did all the vocals and the guitar. So that's, so it's only him harmonizing with himself. And sometimes, especially this is one of the songs where I thought that that created like a uh, it just there should there wasn't enough contrast in the 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 vocal harmonies with the with the lead harmonies but you're gonna have that criticism with every song on the record because he does no, all not, the backup. <laughs> actually and and a lot of times that is that, that a lot of times that's the case there is one where i thought it worked perfectly i hope i can find it in my notes but it's yeah there was it wasn't and i wouldn't call it because this album i initially uh it took i stockholm syndrome is what happened and i be, i began to uh the songs there was like my order is all is mostly different. The rock songs with lots of guitar went straight to the top for me because that's wow. that's what I love. But that's the piano, wheelhouse. yeah. But the piano songs, um, the, w- there were ones that I liked uh, less and initially. But by the end of it, after you know, 10, 12 times listening to them, I I, I found some more stuff in them as I went along. Mm. Yeah, and and Robert, this is something. I think you you have kind of taken that production approach on a lot of the songs off of your new record of the layering of the vocals. You've got... Thank you for noticing. I mean, Wayne yeah, will love I mean, all my background vocals. I'm only doing them by myself. <laughs> how, how many how many channels of, of uh, vocals do you, do you typically there were, do? There were as many as 30 um, wow. uh, of tracks of background vocals. Okay. I just sit with the mic between my legs and eight hours go by and my wife's calling me and, and she's like, are you coming in for dinner? And I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm coming in. I just lose myself in it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. And, and, and that, is that one of the reasons why Todd kind of strikes a chord with you? Yeah. So, so on, uh, when I listened to this song, um, it, it was a revelation for me. I had on my cost headphones and the, the clavinets right down the middle and then it just breaks open and then everything's in like even the vocals are in stereo and the background vocals are amazing and so again we've all heard great production of obviously listening to everything we've listened up to that point but i wasn't noticing is it something i could do my i could do this like i can make the, yeah. to get this thing pan across over to here I just need to get up my hands on a four track and I can start doing this. And this is the, the record that made me want to get a Tascam four track, which I did. Um, yeah. So it this song was all about that to me. Now, I'm going to agree with Wayne. This could have been a hit. They released um, uh, Be Nice to Me and long yep. uh, 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 i mean um it's a long time long way to go yep. i mean those those should not have been the singles off this record no i i, I yeah i agree i like both but yeah yeah me too but not this not singles well i like one of them yeah i'm looking <laughs> you at like me. be nice to me i do yeah. <laughs> we'll get there we'll get there we'll get there all right scores let's uh let's get scores for this one wayne what do you got 10 okay robert so this one's sitting in the middle for me, uh, a seven. Okay, this is my five. All right, next one is the ballad, in parentheses, Denny and Jean.
obvious question. Who's Denny? Who's Gene? Do we Is know? that the obvious question? Because I've never know. thought of it before. I, I, <laughs> I'm always looking for the story behind. Ah, the, the I have no idea. All right. All right. Not to be confused with the 1985 movie, The Ballad of Billie Jean. Don't don't confuse ah, that. To, well, that was much later. Not no. not to confuse that. Yeah. Um, this one, uh, Robert. This one scored higher for you. What uh, what is it about this song? Well, it's it's you know this was really tough for me, guys. I'm sure it's tough for you sometimes too. On a record that you just are so connected with every song in the yeah. record, there is no twelve or one. It's just but you have to make choices. I know. So We're you know bastards. it's because of. It's because of other songs that this ends up, you know, where it did for me. Um, but I, I, I will say one of the things that I love about the song is I know it taught me something about songwriting, but I didn't know it was teaching me that. I know now, listening back to it, okay. about when you go to Nashville and you start working with these guys, these grizzled old guys like I am now. But when I got there, I was, you know, just like ready to rock and, you know, these... Well, I remember this one guy said to me, uh, well, uh, we can't say that in country music. And I'd say, why not? Well, that might be how they do it up there in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. <laughs> but that's not how we do it. I'm not from Rhode Island. I'm from Boston. Anyway, um, I remember this guy selling, telling me about how the most important thing is to tell a story and to tell it in the most compelling and compact way possible. Yeah. And this song is basically four-syllable phrases that tell a story. It's like Jean did her best. Denny worked hard. Yeah. You know, and so together made him a star. And he loved her. Money changed hands. Danny and it's a great story of what really happens in relationships when one person it, things take off and people change. Yeah. So I learned something. I didn't know I learned it at the time, but looking back I must have learned it. Wayne. Uh uh, one word vocoder or whatever that they he he brings it in there uh towards the middle i think and uh destroys it because here's the thing is i absolutely agree <laughs> this is a great song and i originally didn't like it because i i felt like he wasn't telling me enough about denny and gene like i want to yeah. know more and that's what i realized that it is brilliant because there is enough in there the fact that i want to know more is is the hook like I want yeah. it's I, I he's not going to tell me I have to I got to create the images on my own. Um so everything about it lyrically I like. It's but I I didn't like that he he brought in a production a very unnecessary production isn't, trick. Isn't that thing though? Isn't that the same thing that Peter Frampton yeah. used yeah. and it's the same thing that I I think this is the first time anyone ever heard it though. Was Frampton before? That may be the Frampton case. wasn't before this. After. No. Very, and that may be the very case. Shortly but after, that is yeah. that is it's yeah. It's a poor choice. I think that if you wanted to uh which I don't believe the world should have had to go through that and see it. <laughs> but um he should have saved it for another song. But I can say I think it's musically I wanted I wanted it to be a little bit softer. The piano is is I don't know, it's I don't know a word to describe it, but it's too yeah. harsh. Um, and like I say, that vocoder just that thing came out of nowhere, and I was just like, "What's you know, happening?" But I thought the song lyrically was brilliant because, like I say, originally I thought he's not telling me enough about Denny and Gene, and then I realized that he is. I just he's made me yeah. want to know more. He's made me want to fill in the blanks, and I think that was the best part. 
I'm I'm ashamed to say that Wayne, um, we talked about Frampton on our 1976 episode, and you and I debated on the vocoder. <laughs> and I'm ashamed to say that I'm agreeing with you on the vocoder choice for this because <laughs> this is this is my three, and I believe your score is very similar. Correct. Uh, this is also my three. Yeah. All right. right. You guys agree on it. I, I never know. heard you get the same number on anything. <laughs> we, we I must be that. wrong. <laughs> we, we, we do. We do agree sometimes. Uh, Robert, what's your score? I gave it an eight. Okay. For the songwriting. Perfect. All right. Next song, bleeding. And um, yeah, we couldn't more be apart. any yeah. more different. I, I know me and Wayne are really the, far apart. On the scores here, <laughs> you you are you are as far apart as you can be for for an album. I gave the song a few extra points because it is different sounding in many respects. Um, I really do need some lyrical interpretation because I I don't I don't know. Yeah, um, Wayne. I'm going to throw it to you because um, I have the benefit of seeing your score. Oh, I, I love this. I, and I'm surprised this is, you know, when you look at his Spotify list, I, I, this is a great song. And once again, it's, it's sounds very mid seventies and this is early. So, I mean, he's, he's kind of throwing these, the, these templates out for people to make songs in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the lead, his lead guitar, he, he a lot of this stuff is piano and uh, I, that's great. But he's really a phenomenal guitar player, especially when he's doing the lead, which the solo in this is tremendous. Mm-hmm. But yep. the rhythm, that riff that that runs through this song is is just uh, it's amazing. And like I say, I think his um, he was ahead of his time. I, I like that. Like I say, the message to me in this is it, you're not dead. You're just bleeding. You know what? Rub some dirt on it. Keep going. It's not it's it's not that bad. Right. Two things. Number one, I know we're always going to disagree on the guitar heavy because those are at the bottom of my list. And that the reason for that is because I was a piano player learning how to write songs. And obviously, I was going to gravitate towards the ones that were written that were on the piano that I could start learning and playing right. and try to be like. But um, the other thing is the piano thing. So every year, Playboy would have its pop jazz poll or whatever they remember that thing they would do the pop jazz yep. poll every year every year he would be nominated for best keyboard player every year because of hello it's me and i would always like shake the magazine well not my copy i didn't have one <laughs> but you know i'd be like what are you doing he's a guitar player he's one of the best guitar players i've ever heard why are you calling him the best keyboard player he's never going to win that he's not a great keyboard player actually he's yeah. suffices to play the when he needs to play but um anyway um this song i never really understood uh the, the i didn't get the lyric didn't it didn't it didn't pertain to me in my life um i did i you know now looking back at it you know for this podcast and listening to it over and over i'm blown away by the guitar parts yeah i mean it's it's incredible the sound of the guitar is amazing too 
All right. So, Robert, what's your score on this one? I gave this a one because it. And this is not. This is not one that hit me in the heart. So, I mean, because uh, yeah. I will get to that as we go. You'll see why this record means so much to me. Yeah, Wayne. Twelve. This was my favorite song. It was tough between this and and the other rocking guitar song on it, but I I gave a twelve to this one. And and I'm somewhere in the middle. I did give it a nine. However, it was as low as my five at one point, and I gave it extra points because I hear some cowbell in the really long outro. <laughs> you always get extra points for cowbell from me. All yeah. right. Uh, next song is uh, the Wailing Wall. Okay, Wayne, uh, I'm assuming that this song prompted a rabbit hole for research about the Wailing Wall, correct? No, I mean, I... I no? I, I, okay. I've, I've, I've seen lots. I just actually watched the Anthony Bourdain... Uh, uh, what the name of it? I'm drawing a blank on the name of uh, Parts yeah. Unknown. Where no he went there. reservations. Yeah, no reservations. Yeah. Uh, no, I thought... I, 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 there was an... Initially, this was my least favorite song, and I... But as as time went on, I think that I I'm not exactly sure why, because I don't know if it was I don't know. It just didn't come across uh, maybe also coming off of a, a rocking song. But I say once mm-hmm. again, songwriting wise, once you listen to it a few times and then and start to hear it a little bit better and then it, it goes from it, it, he, he's got this great it's almost like an analogy. You know, there's this far off. There's this you know this lonely woman wailing at this wall and then at the end it's him it's all it's all of us at at one point or another and so mm-hmm. the simplicity of it I, I i enjoyed that like i say i think that was one of my problems with it initially until i i realized that, that there's a point to that um and it's important um yeah like i say i i i still yeah. thought he used some i think he uses some uh, background vocals in this that I didn't try to read my notes. Lots that I didn't. Those I background vocals. Th- those background vocals taught me that background vocals are an instrument. That if yeah. you're he's singing uh, oohs and ahs throughout the song that build and the and, and it had this so you can go uh, you can bring the volume you know up and with the whole chord and you could use your vocals like an orchestra. I'd never. I didn't. I never experienced that before. Um, when I say that this album changed my life, this is the song that that changed my life because this is where I said I want to sing like I want to write a song like this and I want to sing a song like this. I want to yeah. and I listen and, and the way he sings is so sensitive to the song and 
it's and he you know like i said he didn't think he was a great vocalist are you kidding me this was just blew my mind as far as how good it was i started listening to the what was coming out of my mouth and singing and thinking about like how can i phrase that better um and i also just said i gotta i gotta write i gotta write songs like this and i gotta sing them to my girlfriend i learned this song right away and i sang it to my girlfriend time and time again so uh and yeah. she she liked it. <laughs> um, like for instance, I, I made a note. He says, "But every day you'll find them there, and kneeling down for sadness' sake." But he connected and and kneeling like that caught my attention. He went, uh, "Every day you'll find them there and kneeling." Like there was he. That's where a person would take a breath, but he didn't. And I was like, "Oh yeah." This is like tiny little things that this was teaching me that I might not have realized at the time. Love it. All right. Your score, Robert? I gave it a one. Oh, you gave this a 12. Yeah. This is your favorite song. I'm I sorry. I gave it a 12. What am, I, what am I looking at? Yeah, it was number one. Let's put it that way. It's number one. It's, it's number, number one. one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is this is my 10. Um, I, I totally agree with you, Robert, and I totally agree with you, Wayne. Um, there's... There's a lot of lyrical stuff in this that's really cool, and the musical um, stuff that's going on, especially with with the uh, the, the layered vocals. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's good stuff. Wayne, your score. It had a long way to crawl. Like I say, I I can appreciate early '70s piano ballads, but they're still not my jam. And uh, yeah. while I liked it lyrically, and I did think I like when it was just him and the piano, I thought it worked best. Um, so the the woo woos, I thought they seem too they seem too happy for this song that I think needs to be kept that need to be said. I'm not one to criticize Todd Rundgren's choices, but for me, I it ended up with a four. All right, I kind of I kind of like that it's that it's it's sad lyrics with a little bit of um, happiness. So I like that dichotomy. All right, uh, next song is Range War. If I had- They started the range war. Nothing has and when I first heard this song, I was like, "Where is he going with this?" Um, <laughs> the the but the punchline, I guess you call it the punchline. It that's it's a good it's a good payoff, right? Yeah, I mean it's a good story. It, it it's yeah. a good story. It's not a country song, by the way, even though. I think he might have thought it was, but there's yeah, no way. Yeah, that was my, like I say, because I, I like the story. Um, I like the kind of the Romeo and Juliet kind of classic story part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the, the you know, like you say, the punchline at the end. He realizes that if he'd just been braver and, and went against his father's wishes and married her, uh, he right. could have avoided this whole thing. And it, it's, it, and I, I think she, like that last line makes it feel like she died. Um, so I, I would have liked to have known a little bit more about that. But ultimately, I thought he didn't commit to the country. I, I felt like he was trying to make a country western song, whether just to prove that he could do it or what. Maybe. Um, and he didn't. He didn't commit. 
yeah very well um so yeah. he doesn't well, use a real pedal steel guitar he's that's that's yeah. an effect on an electric guitar which right. doesn't sound right and then there's a half-hearted yeehaw somewhere oh my god i got they, this that? That lost two points with me for the just for the yeehaw I, yeah, that, it yeah. didn't and need once again, that. It doesn't even sell it. No, like, just yeah, go yeehaw. yeehaw. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But like I say, story wise, I I like I like he's built this this country western story around like this classic tale of you know the boy and the girl that aren't you know the fa- families are feuding and they're not supposed to be together. And I was in awe as a songwriter, a budding songwriter of of again the the compactness of the story and how well it was told because yeah. it's a little bit of a complicated story. Um, I mean, but he had, I, I wrote down in the notes here, it's like, your ranch is upstream and they dammed up the water, thirsty cows scream for my uncle to slaughter, slaughter the sheep while your daddy's asleep and I do the same for his daughter. That water slaughter daughter rhyme, I mean, I, I don't think I did at the time, but I know that, I mean, I didn't go, oh yeah, I should do something. But it, it went in the brain and it stayed there. And I learned a lot from... Yeah. Uh, the songwriting, but I took points off of the Yeehaw for sure. And by the way, this could never have been a country song. Um, when EM, when I was at EMI for six years, uh, they had the catalog and they asked me as a producer to go in and cut country versions of three Todd Rundgren songs. Let's sit and talk okay. about what they should be. And this was not one of them. Um, no. <laughs> uh, it was, couldn't I just tell you, it wouldn't have made any difference. I'm forgetting what the third one was, but and out of that, then they pitched them to country artists, and Hal Ketchum cut one of them. And that was the whole point, was to get an artist to cut uh, another EMI song. So, But this one never was even discussed. Well, I like the tongue-in-cheek, because when I think of Pittsburgh, that's about as far away from <laughs> country, country western as you can be. If you've ever been to Pittsburgh, you know it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. Um. All right, scores. This is my eight. Wayne, six. And uh, I gave I gave it a five for the songwriting. All right. Next one is Chain Letter. Okay, so this was my introduction, again, didn't know it, but now I realize that this was my introduction to meta. Like, this was like the song okay. that's telling a story about itself. Uh, I, I, do, I don't think I realized it then, but in this last week, listening uh, in different uh, uh, incarnations and, and walking and sometimes, you know, it, I was like, whoa, this is why I wrote the breakup song. This is a song describing itself. I'm gonna. I'm giving you this CD so you can put it in and listen to me breaking up with you. This is why I wrote. I mean, I wrote a lot of meta songs as as time went on and thought I was being very clever. Oh, the end title song. This is the end title song. Don't get up out of your seat. I spent all night working on this song for you to listen to it. Sit back down, and you know. Make sure you throw your popcorn away on the way out the theater. I wrote songs like that, and I'm thinking, oh my god, this yeah. is where I got that that thought process. Is uh, he he's telling us 
And then he gets halfway through the song and says, oh, no, I was wrong. This song is actually twice this long. And he does that crazy ending, which is as long as the whole song pre preceding it. It's very, it's, yeah. it's funny. It's clever. I love that song. Absolutely. I love, I love the sense of humor. I, and like I say, initially listening to it, that first part, that acoustic guitar, great. I mean, it's a little bit grating vocally and on the acoustic guitar, mm. but he stops and he does something <laughs> completely different Then it makes it, it makes sense. And then it's even that you went through it for a reason. Like he's like to me. And like I say, he mentions pastor mortality. There's very much a sense of don't worry about the end. Enjoy the song. This, you know, Here's the song. Here's the start of it. And it may be silly. It may be, you know, but it's, I'm in too deep now. And now we're in the middle. And then you, and he, it doesn't even mention that it's ha that you're only halfway through. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he you, says, think uh, you, you think it's over, but yeah. it's only halfway over. Right. So, yeah. And by the way, when he says that, he says that, and he says, if I die tomorrow, it will carry on. That is the last word in the song, but you're only halfway through the song. And then he just keeps saying carry on for the rest of the next two minutes. I'm gonna need to spend more time on this song because the, the all the, all of the stuff that you're you guys are talking about meta it completely lost on me. So oh, yeah. Wayne, Wayne, yeah. we gotta get him. All right, we'll. Ah, I'll call you after the show and we'll make sure you. Okay. Dive deep in chain letter. <laughs> I need to spend more time on this. This is my four, Wayne. A uh, nine. Yeah. Oh. All right, Robert. Wayne, nine. There we go. There we there go. go. See. See, we you guys can agree as well. All right. Um, next song is a, a long time, a long way to go. And you had already mentioned this was one of the singles on the album. Yeah, it shouldn't have been. Didn't 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 do well. Uh, peaked at number ninety two. Yeah, so, that's not a hit. And it's one and it's one of the shorter songs on the record as well. So, just seems like a really odd choice for a single. But maybe I'm wrong. No, I think you're right. I, I don't. No, think. Well, wait, I'm looking at the scores, and I think we're all uh, we're all in agreement. Yeah, here. this is not one of our favorites. Yeah, I just, uh, it, I just, it didn't, it didn't speak to me as much as other songs. Now, when I listen to it now, I don't skip it. I love listening to it now. To me, it tells a story about you know my love for this girlfriend of mine, Christine, and uh, and 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 then it, and and then and then when we broke up, this song would make me cry, and then when we got back together again, it was like the story again. So. Uh, but yeah. but it just there are other songs on this record because you have to put them twelve to one. I had to put it where I put yep. it. Yep, yep, I get it. All right, Wayne, anything? Yeah, this was my least favorite. It's to me it's the the best thing based. about it. The best thing about it was that it was uh, just over two minutes. Uh, I thought once again he does he. This is where the harmonizing. I thought it was the 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 part where him harmonizing with himself was felt the most out of place. Um, okay. And then there's this towards the end he does that thing again where he just crashes two big you know orchestral symbols like out of nowhere. And I I, I, I already and it's like but in a way it was like 
I know you don't like this song, Wayne. I'm just gonna we're just gonna do something that's just <laughs> gonna make you scratch your head and Yeah. All right. All right, this is my two, Wayne. This was my least favorite, I'm my one. And this was my two. This one's not doing well. No, it did not. It didn't. Mm. Uh, spoil, spoiler alert, lowest lowest score. Well, lowest yeah, score. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, next one is Boat on the Charles. And someone's always going south. A guy with a truck here about is going I'm assuming Charles, Lake Charles, Louisiana. Oh, for me, it was to Charles River in Boston. Oh, okay. Well, and I don't know what it is. It was a river. So I I was thinking, yeah, it says Riverside, second line, but I was thinking, yeah, the Charles River. But then again, when I think about it right now, I'm looking at maybe there's no train next to the Charles River. There's bike paths and and running things and there's canoeing and I mean, uh, rowboating or what do they call that? Sculling. Obviously, yeah. Todd is making up his own scenery, which, look, you're the songwriter. You can do whatever the hell you want, right? Yes. And to me, this was yeah. a this was a song about feelings of, like, it, desperation. And it was, like, real feelings uh, that people have um, when they're at their lowest. And, uh, and uh, you know, this girl broke up with him. And, and the, there's this little chorus behind of his own background vocals there going, why don't you leave? Why don't you leave? And he goes, why don't I leave? I, you know, and then it's like, it's suicidal. And it's, it's a, it's just a song about desperation. And I think it gets the point across really well. And I like that intro where it's playing like sort of a counter chordal thing to what the the melody ends up being. I thought that was pretty cool. Even in 1971, when I heard it, I was like, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, am I reading the songwriting or the, um, the 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 production credits correctly? That Todd is pretty much playing all the horn parts on this song. Uh, let's see what we got going here. I got it right here. Uh, oh yeah, tenor and baritone saxes would mean. Wait a minute though, but he brought in. I don't see their names here. He no, he brought in. Um, I'll tell you who played on this while Wayne's talking okay. about his score. I'll find it. And this is the one, and I think because it's kind of this introspective talking to himself, I think this, in this case, the background vocals being his own, I thought worked perfectly. Like he, like you can hear him talking to himself. Mm -hmm. I think he, um, I think the suicide, like you say, I think the suicidal things, um, he does it really well because it doesn't come off morose. It definitely comes off more like a part desperation and a little bit of a cry for attention from this girl, like, you know. Uh, I'll do something uh, to hurt myself if you, you know, because you broke up with me. Um, but I did like, I like the sax. I think he didn't overdo it. I even like the kind of the, the ending of it where he kind of a little, that kind of sax vamping. And then it sounds almost like finger symbols. Like once again, he's throwing in some percussion at the end, but here it kind yeah. of wandered off and I felt I, it, it just felt right. 
and the percussion that is uh, Hunt Sales. Yes. The, 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 the conga. Do you know, I know he brought in, and I remember reading that he brought in uh, two horn players, one of which I I, I knew his name okay. immediately, uh, but I can't find it in here. Maybe it, maybe it's on a different record. I mean, I'm, this was a bunch of chapters ago, okay. so. Yeah. All right. Uh, Wayne, what's your score on this one? Uh, seven. Okay. I'm matching your seven. And Robert? Six. Okay. All right, next song is Be Nice to Me. If you played alone, please just be nice to me. And would it bring you down if I hang around? Just be nice to me. And this was one of the singles. Peaked at number 71. So I don't think Wayne's given this a big... A, a, <laughs> I don't think this is going to be a big... I, I just have a feeling... Uh, he's figured me out. I'm I'm just, I'm gonna I'm gonna let I'm gonna let him talk. All but right. yeah, most list most listened to song on this album on Spotify at five hundred and sixty seven thousand listens. I don't I I don't so have I don't very know many if notes. That's because I it's just, on a compilation, but I just thought it went to the Woe Is Me piano ballad one too many times. Okay. I didn't You know, I I was a teenager in love. When I bought this record, I just wanted to hang out with this girl, Christine. I wanted to love and laugh and make out. And I didn't want to have to try to figure her out what's going on in her head. And to me, this song was like, I learned this one and sang it to her. You know, hey, just like, can we just like, no catch, no strings. Just like, just chill and don't make me wonder why you're doing what you're doing now. To me, uh... Yeah, I, 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 this was the second song I learned off the record. And I do want to say, by the way, this Christine who broke up with me and some of these songs made me, you know, um, we did get back together and we've been married 41 years now. So, hey, there this, go. This, the, the, I credit this album with, with some of that, too. That sounds a lot like the, the first track. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do, do you guys want to hear my notes on this one? Yeah, sure. Yes. So, so I highlighted on the last the last verse. I highlighted, you know, I ain't in heat, and it would feel real neat if you would just be nice to me. I highlighted that, and my notes next to it is, this is not going to go over well with Wayne. <laughs> well, it doesn't and even go well with me. Sure it's kind of yeah, cheesy. Yeah, it is. It's it's neato. Um, this is like. <laughs> Beaver, Beaver, Cleaver, speak from Leave It to Beaver. Um, anyways, I I dig I dig this song. Like, yeah, I don't think that it's a quote unquote single. If you're really trying to sell some records, this is probably not not it. But I do dig this song. Um, so this is my eleven. Uh, Robert, what's your score? Oh, this one is my uh, ten. And now we get to boo Wayne. Go ahead, Wayne. <laughs> uh, two. The deuce. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Um, 
Next song is Hope I'm Around. Uh, yes. So this song sent me down a rabbit hole earlier this week. Um, the beginning of the song sounds like a bread song. So I had to listen to my CD of the best of bread. And I'm okay to admit that I really like bread because I have a sweet spot for 70s AM gold. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I tweeted about this and I said, are there any others? I was expecting people to give me a ration of crap because I admitted that I like bread. And I'm happy to say there's a lot of other bread fans out there. Thank you, everyone, for being kind to me, being nice to me. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so this song, I think, really fits well into that box for me. It, this is my top song. Um, I will say this. Production on the ending is a little suspect because um, it kind of does. This is the one that drops off, right? Drops out a little bit. Uh, I overlooked it for the rest of the song, though. Cool. I think this was one that we all kind of liked. This was mm-hmm. um, a high high score for all of us. Um, Robert, what do you got on Hope I'm Around? Uh, Hope I'm Around is a song that uh, when we broke up, this is the song that I had to listen. This is the song that meant the most to me. I love you, but I hate you for breaking up. And... I hate you, but I love you, and you'll be back someday. But or you, be, I mean, you're or you're just gonna miss me, or you're looking for someone just like me, and you better hope you're around when you need me. And I, I, that gave me, it made me feel like, I mean, if I was going to write a song and had the talent to write this song at a point in my life when I was about yeah. eighteen, nineteen years old, I would have this. This would have been the song I wrote. And so, I mean, I was a man. Now I'm just a bird sitting in your hand because uh, now what do I do? I wrote uh, so many, I wrote songs that were, what made me a lot of money out of this one breakup because it was so devastating because I believed, and I don't believe this to be true now, but, but I believed it for, for most of my life that there's only one person that's meant for you, period. I believed that. And I believed that I had found this person. And then she broke up. So now what am I going to do? I wrote a song called What If It's You, where I'm writing a letter to her saying, you know, uh, what am I supposed to do? I know I was meant, I was put on this earth for you. And now you're with this other guy. What if it's you that I, and I, and that was a huge hit for Reba McIntyre. For Reba. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I got a lot out of that breakup. <laughs> <laughs> and it all turned out great in the end. So, yeah, you yeah. you you got the girl and got compensated for um, drawing on those experiences. Still way better than mine. <laughs> yeah, Wayne. Mine always cost me money. <laughs> all right. Uh, so I already mentioned this is my twelve. Wayne, what do you got? 
Uh, and it was my eight, but and I think I wanted some more uh, production, like in the first track and in and bleeding, because this, like you say about bread, it does have kind of a, a simpler acoustic kind of thing to it. But I I love I love the song. I love it lyrically. I love because there's this there's like uh, Robert had said. So it's it's a part you're going to miss you're going to it's almost like you can't understand it until you go through it and then when you need somebody who understands it i've been through it so i've got empathy and sympathy and and i right. and i can be there for you and like i say but the when he sings you better hope i'm around he does it has this sincerity slash vengeful like i'm not happy about this but i'm but i'm going to forgive you this time if you just if you figure out what you did wrong and when he gets angry during the bridge, it's a brilliant bridge. And he goes, maybe now you cannot see, but I know just what you need. And you're looking for someone like me. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know this and you don't. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you can tell it. No wonder I love this song. <laughs> <laughs> I get I'm a little choked up right now. What's, <laughs> what's, uh, what's your score on this one, Robert? Uh, this was my 11. Okay. All right. Next up is Parole. My first notes on this song was this kind of sounds like a bad finger song. And then not knowing that just a few months later, <laughs> Todd would help the band bad finger to finish up their album straight up, which came out in December of 71. So mm. I thought that was kind of hilarious that, um, anyways, so I've got bad finger. I've got the, I've got bad fingers straight up queued up on, Spotify. That'll be my my morning walk here in a couple days. So, yeah, All right. Um, and I knew that hearing this, I'm like, this is gonna track well for Wayne. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love this song so much. Yeah. Like I say, I think it's just it's fun. Um, I think it's a great. Uh, I'm glad he didn't end it necessarily, but I like that at the end. There's been a couple of you know these simple kind of sad piano ballads, and then he just goes blues rock. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that he was helping Grand Funk Railroad mm-hmm. do in the, in a few years yeah. later. Yeah. Um, I I like the idea that he's not only is he in trouble with the law, but he's also in trouble with his girl. Yeah. And I love that, that towards the end, he says, put down the phone and the gun because she doesn't know whether she wants to shoot him or turn him in. I just it's just a, it's a it's it's just so much fun musically yeah. and lyrically. It's just like a big you know, there's been some heavy stuff here, and now I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give you guys a big, big comedy closer. Right, and he triple tracks those guitars, and then the bass, which I always thought was playing down low until I, I mean I've just never noticed how the bass on this song. No wonder he wanted to use Tony Sales all the time. He's just like that. Just listen to the bass in this song. It's it's great. But I also too I do love that whole thing of like it's kind of like with the girlfriend like being on 
parole. And that's like you're in the doghouse. You just you're on parole. Yep. Yeah. One slip up and you're, you're <laughs> you out. Go back, right. Going back in the hole. Going yep. back in the hole. Yep. All right, Wayne, your score. This is my eleven. All right, Robert. And because I didn't play the guitar yet, it was a three for me because yeah. I just wanted those piano songs. That's that's good. I'm I'm in the middle there. I'm at a six for you. All right, we're gonna wrap this up. Yep. Remember me is last. Hmm. Apologies to both of you for the lack of lyrics that it, that I sent earlier. Oh, you know what's funny? There's no lyric in the there's no lyric on the album Maybe that, either. Okay. Because he Maybe was just I think why. he was I think first off the song's so short and he was just saying, yeah. "Hey, just, you know, remember me." Um he it's very self he did this all through his career. He referred to him and his career to the fans and said, "This is all I ask of you is just Give me a shot. Remember me. He, uh, you know, on uh, on a Wizard of True Star, he, he ends with "Wait another year." Utopia is here. No one knew what that meant at the time. We didn't know we we're getting this like prog rock band out of him. Right. But he right. did that all through his career, and I, I really like that. And I, the only reason I had to give it a, a low score score was just because I was out of I was out of room, and, and it was so sh- it's so short. I mean, I was like, let's not yeah. get hung up on this song. I will fully admit. So this is my lowest score, and that's because I felt like parole was perfect ender. Mm. So, you know, since there were no lyrics on the on the record, Robert um, and Wayne, we 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 did a a secret track for our last episode that we that we talked about. Maybe this was Todd foreshadowing what was going to come in the 90s with everybody throwing a secret track on the cd i don't know i liked it as the ender i thought the because there is there's a lot of um self-deprecation to some degree but it's a piano based song wayne i i know but it's it's the sync it's 51 (laughs) seconds and it's 51 um, seconds okay that's why but it was a nice like say he just he just did a big a big musical number with lots of great guitar and a fun, energetic song, and then to—it's almost like being true to himself and being true to this record. And like, like Robert said, don't forget—you know—because he's not—he's not the that normal rock star. He's not, you know, Axl Rose or somebody who's out there make you know and very proud of himself and makes you know brags or whatever. He's a very—he's definitely there's some self-consciousness to him and this whole stardom. He's always wearing dark glasses. He's really never allowed himself to become the big big name as far as a musician much more so as a producer so i thought it was a nice simple way because like i say this song ends and i'm i want more uh, in the night in the in the purest way like i there's a little bit of me that would like to like to hear the you know this song go on a little bit longer whereas there were some songs where i thought he he left me wanting more in a way of like a deficit this time he he does it in the best way. I thought you he would just surprised. love this song too. I thought because you only had to listen to 51 seconds of piano and background vocals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, that might be it too. Yeah. 
All right, I already mentioned this is my lowest. Wayne? A five. All right, Robert? A four. Okay. All right. Um, I always ask, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? I want to say one thing that I found when I was looking for those horn players. Okay. Um, uh, Patty Smith uh, said in 1971, uh, in the August 19th issue of Rolling Stone, she, for some reason, is getting to comment on this record. Maybe it was an article about her. But um, she said, Todd Rundgren never wanted to be born. His mother labored hard to put him here, and he's fought hard to sign his musical autograph in the progressive pages of rock and roll. The Ballad of Denny and Jean and Wailing Wall are more personal and float in more fears than all the children in the world. Okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Always the poet. Yeah, absolutely. Patty yeah. Smith. Oh, absolutely. All right. Any guesses on number one? We're all over the place. Oh, I think we all agreed. Yeah, we were real close on one. Which one was it? Hope I'm Around. Average score. Yes. 10.3. Uh, that's uh, death. Oh, wait, I have to write this down. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here's the rest of our top five. It's not a top five. Ooh. Yeah. Here we go. Um, second is Wailing Wall. Average score of 8.66. Third is Be Nice to Me. Wayne Wayne tried to tank it for us, Robert, but um, <laughs> our, our, our 11 and 10 were, were too strong for him. 7.66, so that's third. And then I've got a three-way tie for fourth. Uh, that is Chain Letter, Bleeding, and Long Flowing Rope. So, wow. Yeah. So there you go. Well, I do want to say that um, thank you guys for agreeing with me. Um, my number one and number two songs were number yeah. one and number two in the final count. I can't believe it. With all the different of opinion <laughs> that uh, that we that that I love about your show, uh, that's pretty cool that it ended up that way. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for uh, thanks for picking oh, something yeah. um, off uh, off the beaten path here for us. <laughs> I will I will ask you this. So, kind of the final thoughts for for Todd. For 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 us who may not not be um, big time Todd fans, um, but want to hear more, what what would be some other recommendations of Todd albums that we should explore after this one? Well, it's it's really tough with Todd. It'd be easier to say if, if I looked at the whole list of albums and say these are the ones to avoid, um, because <laughs> because he really will go and just. Um, but I, I I really love I mean I, I would listen to this record in something anything for sure but the yeah. the record to me that um, my, that my sons uh, you know is their favorite of the Todd records is a wizard of true star because it's just no one no one I guess when you look when you hear it now you just you go yeah that's cool he did this and this and this but nobody did what he did when he made that record and uh, he broke a lot of rules and just uh, threw everything out the window and that is the divisive thing with Todd fans it's pre a Watts and after a Watts and then of course there's Utopia which is in and of, of itself especially at the beginning when they were just an yeah, amazing prog rock band 
Um, you know, he, I, 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 you know, it's it, he's given me so much for so many years, and uh, and last Friday night um, in Boston uh, gave it gave it to us again. My wife and I sat there and just lived our life through these songs that he was singing back at us. He did all the things you want him to do, and then he played side one of a Wizard of Two Star. So nice. Yeah, I saw yeah. that he is coming to Florida soon, so uh, I'm on the fence. Um, oh, don't be had, on the fence. Well, if I hadn't Get just spent... I know, but I just spent a, a lot of money for two Wilco tickets and a Boney oh. ticket as well. So, um, Well, let me just say this. During A Wizard of True Star, he makes, I want to say, nine or ten different costume changes. Okay. Alone. All right. I mean, he comes out the first song. He's in a full NASA on the moon spacesuit, a real one. Okay. Okay. And he makes a change. He just disappears in between every song and comes back out while the band is playing because there's a lot of instrumentals sprinkled all through that record that okay. gives the band and 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 it's an it's an insane record to try to play live and they do. It's there's no, they're not playing with tape. They're playing for real. Fantastic. All right. Uh, Robert, tell tell everyone where they can find all of your happenings. Oh, um, well, the record, if you go to Robert Ellis Oral, that's two R's, two L's, um, dot com, uh, you'll find links to, you can go to, but you can go to infinitycat.com too and not only okay. find this new record, but um, all the stuff that we talked about at the beginning of the show, Diary of Planet, yeah. Jeff the Brotherhood, Daddy Issues. Um, so that'd probably be the place to start, infinitycat.com. Fantastic. All right, last question. So I, I throw this out to all of our guests. So who do you know that I don't know who should come on our podcast to talk about one of their favorite records? H- has Bill Lloyd been on? He has not. You know Bill Lloyd. He's, you know, 10 power pop records that are as good as anybody. Um, he's, got, he, it's, he, he's got a couple of record labels that are starting to reissue stuff. Um, so he's, it's almost like he's got a, a constant reissue thing going on and he's got a new record that, uh, that blows me away. It just keeps getting better and better as it goes. And the, the last five, six songs are incredible. Uh, and he's a, he's an absolute master trivia about rock and roll, you know, uh, the, the uh, just Bill Lloyd, he would be the okay. guy. All right. We'll, uh, we'll we'll chat offline then. All right. As a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes. Go to Records Revisited Podcast for all of that. You can find all of our happenings on our socials. Go to the Facebook page. Just search for Records Revisited Podcast. I'm at Twitter, at Podcast Records. Wayne, you're on the Instagram. Where can people find us there? Records Revisited Podcast. And, of course, go and subscribe and rate or review us on all of your, your favorite podcast platforms. And um, as a reminder, you can also join our Patreon, get episodes early. If you contribute at the guest revisitor level, you can join us on an episode to talk about one of your favorite records. Go to patreon.com slash records revisited podcast for that. And um, also, we've got t-shirts. So um, go look at the episode notes. You can, you can uh, go purchase a t-shirt and, and wear it proudly and... Look, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say this out loud, Wayne. I I don't do I don't do the boastful thing very very often, but that logo is awesome. Like you want to wear our logo out there. Like it's it's pretty it's pretty great. So so um go 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 buy a t-shirt and support us if uh, you don't want to join our Patreon. All right, 
So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show. Make sure you buy a T-shirt of the band or buy a T-shirt of your favorite podcast. Uh, buy a record. Visit a record store. And not just on Record Store Day, we are Records Revisited. <laughs> and we are... Ouch! Ouch.